The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. 12 months under new changes. Starting in September, pharmacists can extend prescriptions from six months to a maximum of 12 months if they have a prescription dated March the 1st of 2024 or later. The changes aim to reduce demands of primary care GPs and provide flexibility for patients who are under the trust of their pharmacist. Uh, joining me now to talk about this, pharmacists at Milltown, uh, Total Health Pharmacy and Health Advocate at Wondercare.ie, Sheena Mitchell. Sheena, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, the Minister saying it'll start in September if you've got a prescription dated March 1st or later. So this is a kind of a, a slow burner, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. There'll be no impact really for patients until September comes. So the way it is at the moment, any prescription that's written from today onwards, the prescriber can either write on the prescription that it's to be repeated for 12 months, or if they write a six-month prescription, come September, the option will be there for the pharmacist to assess the patient clinically and the need and, I suppose, the benefit of the medication for the patient. And then, if appropriate, they will extend it for up to 12 months. There's also an option for the GP to write a six-month prescription and write it with do not extend, whereby pharmacists would not be able to, you know, assess the patient's need. So that's what's going to happen in September. Obviously, we hope there's a lot more that's going to happen because I know there's ongoing negotiations on our current services for fees between the IPU and the Department of Health. And I know myself and a lot of other pharmacists that I have spoken to really feel they need to be addressed before we actually take part in in the additional service because... Mm. You know, we've already been under a 15 year pay freeze and we're struggling to maintain enough staff at the moment to support the extended role. The pharmacists are excited about an extended role and we feel there's an awful lot more we can do for patients. But we just want to have the funding in place to be able to do it. So has the minister indicated how you will be paid if you have to uh, extend a prescription for a patient because it will be allowed? Um, I mean, is there a fee for that act of extending or is it just the fee that attaches to the prescribing uh, amount? You know, you, you get a fee for the drug that you hand over, but is are you looking for an extra fee for the extension? So at the moment, and that is unanswered and I've seen no communications. And at the moment, we've, as I said there, with this 15-year uh, fee free, pay freeze for our normal services and, you know, every other sector has had a reversal of the FEMPI cuts and the minimum wage is constantly increasing and pharmacist wages are high. And as a business owner for rent and everything, it's hard to keep a pharmacy business going as it stands. Mm. So what we're looking for, like, obviously, if you are talking about having a pharmacist take a consultation with a patient, and this includes basically making sure the medicine is appropriate, making sure there's no adverse reactions, making sure that there's a chronic need for to continue the medicine and also checking the patient's history, talking to the patient. And not only that, there's also administrative burden because we then have to record and have documented support of that decision process. And we also then have to notify the GP. Mm. So there's no way that we can do that Okay, so so it's not simply a, a case of looking at the prescription and seeing no inhibition to extending it and you look at the date and it's the 15th of March or whatever and uh, you figure, well, we can, this officially runs out after six months. 
we can extend it without any worry because the GP has not said no. Um, But you're going to have to do a bit of bureaucracy on top of that to let the GP know that you've extended it. Yeah, so there's the time of the bureaucracy and there's also then the legal responsibility. Now, legal responsibility is something that pharmacists are always very conscious of and deal with on a day-to-day basis. Mm. But if you imagine a patient, and actually another pharmacist put this to me this morning, if you imagine a patient comes out of hospital and has a prescription that the GP has never, say, seen a discharge prescription. Because let's be honest, like our e-health <laughs> was parked. We have no good communication IT-wise between hospitals, GPs and pharmacies. So there is a real risk on the pharmacist dispensing something where we have contra you know, contraindicating messages coming from a hospital prescriber versus a GP prescriber. So all of that... So what do you do? Because, I mean, the legal responsibility, one would imagine, rests with the prescriber. You prescribed that heart medication for me and uh, I had a heart attack. Uh, That's the doctor prescribing because it wasn't the right med. You'd imagine it wouldn't apply to the pharmacist who's simply uh, acting on the instruction of the doctor. But if the prescriber has written a six-month prescription and then the pharmacist is taking on the role to then make a clinical decision to extend that, then the legal onus is on the community pharmacist. And if you give us... Is it really though, if if you've immediately sent the note by email to the doctor saying, by the way, that prescription for Mr. X or Ms. Y, I've been, I've extended it uh, because that's okay, according to the minister. Is it okay by you? You then pass the, the onus onto that doctor to either cry halt or... Do nothing if he or she figures it's okay. So the problem is that communications are sometimes very slow. So we can send a health mail to a GP and not get a response. And we might have to follow up and follow up. And in the meanwhile, you have this patient who obviously, you know, wants their medication and wants to access it. And we don't have good enough communications to say that there's no risk there. Like the pharmacist prescribes or dispenses medication frequently, you know, we use our clinical decisions and we make decisions that we can stand over and justify ethically. And we do what's best for the patient. And Mm. Yeah, but you you don't actually examine them. Do you know what I mean? You get a, uh, say, a prescription for blood pressure medication uh, on foot of Dr. X or Dr. Y's uh, prescription. You hand it over. You don't get them to stick on the blood pressure cuff in the pharmacy to check them. You accept the doctor's judgment. That's a very unique situation you've described, because normally what happens is we could have someone come in with a medication, say, for blood pressure and then come into us with looking or even a prescription for an irritating dry cough. And actually, we assess that patient clinically and say, do you know what? The particular type of blood pressure in your medication that you're on for your blood pressure can actually cause a persistent dry cough. That is not yeah. that is not a dry cough. And, and if that happens, suppose the, the blood pressure medication is uh, dispensed on the Thursday and someone comes in the following Tuesday and looks for the dry cough me- medication, uh, do you in your processes automatically refer to what else has been prescribed for that patient or do you just take the script that comes in as a fresh script? 
So if a patient is going to a pharmacy regularly, first of all, what's more likely to happen is they'll come to the pharmacy counter and we go through a process. If they come in with a symptom, say a dry cough, and it's basic training in community pharmacy, we actually have a terminology for it called WHAM, where we say, what other medication are you on? And if they are on other medication that the over-the-counter assistant is, says is prescription only, they will actually then get the pharmacist who will come out and go, and when did you start that particular blood pressure tablet because actually you know there is so sometimes we're actually clinically assessing patients that we haven't even dispensed the prescription for they could have got it for in another pharmacy like our role is really clinical yeah. and, already and do all pharmacists um use WOM? what other medications are you on do all pharmacists do that yeah, so if a patient comes in and asks for a specific product, the guidance would be just to make sure they know the basics. Like if it's a paracetamol containing product, we'll say, you know, don't take other paracetamol containing products with this. Have you used it before? If the patient is comfortable, that's fine. But if a patient comes in looking for treatment of a condition, yes, it's basic over the, it's not even just pharmacists. Our counter assistants are just as rigorously trained on this. And they'll say, how long have you had your symptoms? You know, have you tried anything else? What other medication are you on? We'll go through that process. And that's the beauty of community pharmacy. We are engaging in the protection of health at every level. So what we're doing and the training of those staff, as well as then the referral to the pharmacist and the time that each of those consultation takes is ultimately not being reflected in the contract that we have now. And we, I really want to say that the task force, right, I know, Pat, I was in with you a couple of times at the end of 2022 and early 2023. And all of a sudden, the task force was established in 20, in July. I have to say, I'm a little bit disappointed that this is the first thing that they've come up with. I think it's really great. And I don't want to knock them because it's great that we are looking at expanding the role of the community pharmacist. But there are other areas which would have been more useful to patients now in the context of our poor landscape for health provision to our patients. We could have been, you know, I suppose, engaging definitely by now, in if not last winter, for a minor ailment scheme and also the provision of certain prescription only medicines for under for certain conditions. And and all of that has just been ignored. And instead it's this, you know, I suppose extension of prescriptions for 12 months which then basically doesn't come impact into impact until next September. Okay. And this talk of so it's too right? too little. That's basically what you're saying. I want to throw a few things at you. Um, this uh, text: How can pharmacists safely extend a script without access to diagnostics, patients' medical histories, or conducting a clinical examination? Uh, this is a great idea. It's mad that certain prescriptions are only valid for six months, just a way of getting you to pay for another another visit. And it turns out a visit that you can't actually get. Surely this could have been done years ago. In other European countries, the pharmacists have been able to do it for years. I wonder, will this affect the pharmacy's insurance? Will they be open to medical malpractice suits if they are diagnosing people? Call me an old cynic, Pat, but will GPs refer renewal of repeats back to themselves for the 10 or 20 euro refill fee? My GP sends my prescription straight to my pharmacy every six months and charges me 20 euro to do that. They lose out on that 20 euro if they write for 12 months or uh, don't write, do not extend. So GPs will write, do not extend so they can get their 20 euro admin fee. Why do pharmacies in the South not accept prescriptions from Northern Ireland? It wasn't an issue before uh, and so on. There's so many questions. 
Can I say, I actually agree with an awful lot of those points and a lot of them are ethical surrounding the GP's actions. We have to, I, I don't want to, you know, assume the worst of anyone. We This is new. We have no reason to believe that they won't act appropriately, but it is something we'll be watching. The other thing is that the first question where someone said, how can a pharmacist make these decisions without diagnostics and medical information? I agree with that to a certain extent, but under this legislative act, what we are doing is actually assessing any change in care or any change in other medical um, history or change in condition. So if there is a change, we will not be extending prescription where it's not appropriate. And it's that decision that, as one of your questions likely are correctly highlighted, that does put a legal burden on us and will affect our insurance. And that's another reason why pharmacists are eager for the role. But we have to be funded. Our premiums are already extortionate. And this is another legal responsibility. It's one we welcome. But as I said earlier, there were other priorities which okay. would have made um, more difference. The simple question which you probably can't answer but people saying when you're on a year's medication they come in 28 packs not 30 and don't forget there's only one month of the year and not even this year that has 28 days. Why don't they put lo- them in 30 packs? So I love this question because it comes up so often and the answer is so convoluted and ridiculous and it's to do with the HSE payment scheme. So some months obviously have 28 days, well one, one. and none this year, none this year, but some months have, you know, 30, some have 31. What happens is the packs are made in weeks, four weeks often. Sometimes you will get 30 packs, but the HSE will only pay for 13 months of medication, bearing in mind that there's 13 sets of four weeks rather than 12 calendar months. But they will only pay for that if we give you 28 packs. If we give you 31 (laughs) packs, they will then pay 12 months only. Oh, Pat, you've no idea what we're dealing with. All right. (laughs) Sheena, look, thank you very much for throwing some light on a very convoluted uh, subject. That's uh, Sheena, who's uh, a pharmacist at Milltown Total Health Pharmacy, health advocate at wondercare.ie. Sheena Mitchell, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.